What's up, everyone? Welcome to a new episode of Brown Girl Green. I'm your host, Christy Drutman, where I interview environmental leaders and advocates about justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, as well as creative solutions to the climate crisis. I am so excited for today's episode, as I am about all my guests, because I'm pretty picky about who I bring on the show. And I am especially interested in today's episode because we are going to be talking about climate jobs, and we are also going to be talking about what does it take to do things like limit global warming, especially when it comes to people's workplaces and the workforce. And I've been really interested in wanting to dive into this topic for a minute because I think we don't, while we talk about limiting global warming and limiting a warming planet, we don't as much talk about who's gonna do that and what does that work actually look like. And so I'm really excited to have Ayana on the show today from Project Drawdown, who is going to talk about her work to address the climate crisis in her own corner of the work. So Ayana, thank you so much for being on Brown Girl Green today. Yes, thanks so much for having me, Christy. I'm very excited to be here. I've been a big fan for a while. Oh, amazing, amazing. So can you tell us more about your work at Project Drawdown and how you all collaborate with a variety of partners to scale climate solutions? Yeah, I would be happy to. So. The mission of Project Drawdown is really to help the world achieve drawdown, which is actually a future moment in time when the levels of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere stop climbing and start to steadily decline, therefore you know, halting catastrophic climate change. And our goal as an organization is to reach drawdown as quickly and safely and equitably as possible. And so as you know, and I'm sure like most of the listeners know, is that businesses have a lot of power and a lot of resources and a lot of influence. And if they leverage all of that for climate, they might actually be able to make a significant dent in emissions. And so I work for a program within Project Drawdown called Drawdown Labs. We're the private sector testing ground for accelerating climate solutions within business, as well as investors and philanthropies. So I'm a senior associate with Drawdown Labs, and the way that we operate is really as like a formal business coalition. We have about 20 corporate partners that we work with formally, and they have to meet certain criteria that we've set out. So things like, you know, have to have a science-based target, can't have lobbied against climate science, and they generally have to aspire to kind of go above and beyond what traditional corporate sustainability has been in the past. And we work with them really in two main ways. The first is, like I mentioned, like reaching this higher standard of corporate sustainability that we've set out um, in this framework called the Drawdown Aligned Business Framework. And I can talk much more about that in a little bit. And the second piece to that is really just bringing more climate leaders into the fold, meaning like democratizing climate work so that every employee at a company can take climate action not just sustainability teams. And so I specifically am really focused on that second piece around how do we engage employees? How do we help them you know, integrate climate into their roles, turn their jobs into climate jobs, and just kind of creating resources and supporting employees on that journey. That's awesome. So a lot of the work is really providing kind of a roadmap if a company or organization wants to do something about their climate emissions and actually be able to address it head on. That's awesome. Why do you all feel like that is the strategy? Why, why is it important to provide tools and resources to corporate corporations to take action? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, I mean, as you've noticed in the past few years, corporate sustainability has been booming, which is great, but a lot of companies either don't really know what to do, or maybe they're not taking it as seriously as they should be and are kind of just like jumping on the bandwagon of corporate sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think... I mean, I think our work is really both for like businesses, but also just like consumers and just everyday people to kind of understand how to assess whether or not a company is like actually doing something on the climate crisis. And I think companies, I think I mentioned earlier, like sustainability teams, climate action can't just happen in sustainability teams. It really needs to happen across the organization, but it's easy to say that and a lot harder to like actually do that when you're in this massive company you're just like one person, one team, right? In a giant organization. So we're really striving to like make resources, one to get conversations started like between sustainability teams and other functions, but also just to start to lay out those actions of, okay, what are the actual things my company can do beyond just, you know, like having zero waste offices, which is awesome, but we want like more (laughs) systemic action. (laughs) What are like these bigger levers we can pull And one thing we really talk about a lot at at Project Drawdown is like, what is your business's climate superpower? So, you know, every company has like a different niche that they fulfill in like the marketplace and what is like their expertise and how can they use that for climate solutions and not just to like sell their product or sell their service, but like actually do something for the climate using the knowledge and the tools that they already have. And so we're, we're creating resources to help employees do that, help sustainability teams do that, and try to get a bit more tangible around this idea of making every job a climate job. Yeah, we love the tagline, every job a climate job. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of the work that, you know, I've been thinking about with the Green Jobs Board also is bringing in more people into the conversation, because when you realize that there are a lot more people of good than evil in the world that want to do something better for the planet than not, but they just don't really know what to do and they don't know how to do it effectively or efficiently because they haven't really invested the resources or thought that they needed or invest the resources in expertise to bring that all together. I think it's really important that those of us who do work for organizations or companies that are trying to bridge that gap realize that, you know, that that can be our role. Our role can be to provide that information to connect the dots for people. And so it's so cool that, you know, Project Drawdown, you know, originally was out of a space of educating people in general about the climate crisis and actually breaking down the numbers of what is the most effective tactics people can take to reduce their own carbon footprint. And then now is actually thinking about in a more systemic level, how do we then bring that into organizations for long-term change? I think that's very cool because sometimes you find these like educational resources of like, we just need to do X, Y, and Z thing. But then it's like, okay, but how do you implement that? How do you actually make that actionable and then track the progress? So I was wondering like from you know, the ways in which you all work with corporate partners, like what is the tracking process? Like how does that get tracked and monitored? And like, what is the conversation over time to actually create that longer term accountability? Yeah. One thing I'm going to jump really quickly to one thing that you said that really jumped out to me around like, yeah, that there are more good people. There are more people who want to do good than bad. And that is something (laughs) I've like really have truly realized in the past couple of years working for Project Drawdown, 
talking to employees who work for like corporations. I think I used to come from this space of like corporations are evil. And I still kind of think that. Yes. But I mean, same. Yeah. I mean to <laughs> yeah, some extent, I'm, you know, you can separate the person from the institution, but like at the end of the day, like these institutions have also caused lots of harm. So yeah, that's very valid. Exactly. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And <laughs> I think what's been helpful in doing this work is like just talking to employees who like, they are so passionate. They just like also happen to be like a marketer for like a tech company, you know, but like that doesn't mean anything about like their climate passion. And Mm -hmm. just talking to them has been really inspiring to know that there are so many passionate people in within these companies. And like, I'm just like so eager to like support them in their work to like change their companies. And so I just wanted to point that out. But yeah, um, no, that's great. Yeah. And so yeah, back to your question about measuring that is such an important thing that I think is so hard to do is like, and I think you, you've talked about this too, like project drawdown really comes from a place of like, of science and data and like quantifying things. And I think that there's a big power in that and like showing here are like the solutions we have in hand today and here are like their greenhouse gas reduction potential. And I think it's really powerful to see the numbers associated with that. When it comes to work with employees and work with businesses, I think, and we're talking kind of a bit more about like these systemic levers companies might be able to pull, like advocating for climate policy and divesting their investments and rethinking their banking relationships and engaging their customers and employees and their board and overall thinking about like, how is their business model serving climate solutions? And so we're kind of at Drawdown Labs, we're thinking about these things that are a lot harder to measure and like put greenhouse gas numbers to and so the measuring piece is something that's been on our mind a lot and we're definitely not like there are so many organizations and companies out there that do like the tracking and we definitely don't do that but one thing I will say is with our drawdown online business framework which I would definitely encourage everyone to check out um, we're working this year to put like some more meaningful metrics to that I think one thing companies are really eager for is again like this ability to track progress especially with like here in the U.S. with hopefully SEC disclosure regulations coming out soon so it's something that companies will will have to do so we're trying to work to put some more metrics around okay when we say climate policy advocacy like how do you measure that? Is it advocating for a certain number of policies a year? Is it maybe looking at your lobbying dollars and making sure like 0% of those dollars go to, you know, politicians that are blocking climate legislation. And so we're thinking more this year around like how to actually track some of these things. Because I think that, I do think that the climate movement is like a little, or I think that like ESG is very obsessed with tracking, (laughs) but (laughs) In, in ways, I, I understand why that's important, too. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, companies may, you know, so subscribe to something like this and then say that they want to do it. And then it's like, how do you actually know that they're going to follow through with that? Because, like, we've seen the history of a lot of corporations or companies will be like, we're going to reduce our emissions by... 2010, 2020, 2030, 2050, 2100 when we're all underwater, you know, anyways. So it's just one of those things where like, I think that education is important. It's also like, how do we then, you know, then when we know that those companies have those tools and are equipped to address it, like how do we hold them accountable? I guess is more of like the consumer advocacy part of things where it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, getting to know like 
these are companies that are a part of this coalition and being like, hey, like, what is the progress you've made on this? You know, it's a good thing to think about, like, the longer term accountability conversations for sure. So I'm glad you all are Definitely. thinking about that. And so, you know, I'm wondering, like, from what you've seen, how have companies that have actually partnered with you all, like, actually started to create a culture that empowers and encourages their employees to incorporate climate action into their job roles? Like, break it down for us. Like, what is the visual? What are the kind of the conversations or the company culture that you've seen that actually has made this successful? Yeah, I think, first of all, like, I think company culture is a massive piece to this puzzle I think Mm. it can either be a big driver for climate action or a giant barrier to climate action and and I've I've kind of seen it like with some of the companies we work with you know with some of the companies we work with they operate already in like a pretty open and flexible company culture and so they don't employees don't feel uncomfortable like asking about something. And I think that is really important, like being comfortable to be like, raise your hand, even like at an all hands meeting, right? And be like, hey, like, what are we doing about climate change? And so I think being able to just ask the question comfortably and confidently is a really important piece to this. I've heard stories of employees like literally just like emailing their CEO and being like, hey, like, what are we doing on climate change? And then the CEO being like, that's a great question. Like we should be doing something. So sometimes it is like that simple. Um, that's wild. Yeah, that's a wild story. But unfortunately, that's like not the case for most companies. Um, like, oh yeah. Yeah, and some companies are obviously like more conservative and don't want to like talk about policy or their financing. And so again, I think having open company culture is super important. And they're like are a few ways I think like companies can go about that. I think one is really like encouraging employees to take on sustainability in their roles, even if they're not on sustainability teams and like really pushing it, not as an extracurricular, but like really as a part of your role. And so I've seen that at a few companies where they have like, you know, policies where they allow their employees to dedicate like a certain percentage of their work time to things that are not related to like their, like the traditional like responsibilities laid out in their job description. I think that's a really cool like initiative to have for companies. Yeah. Obviously like providing educational opportunities for employees to learn about climate solutions, like bringing in people like you and like science scientists and other like climate experts and advocates who like are really well-versed in speaking on this and like just coming to speak to employee groups, I think can always be like a really good place to start, like providing educational opportunities. Another great thing that I've seen at a couple of companies, but not too many, is having like a dedicated sustainability person on each team. So the marketing team has a sustainability point person, the HR team does. And these people don't sit on the sustainability team, they sit on the marketing team or the HR team. But that like really allows for conversation, I think, to flow like across teams. And I think that's another part of like great company culture is like making sure teams are talking to each other. Just another quick anecdote, like in a lot of companies, you might see that they are like doing really awesome stuff over here with like renewable energy 
but then their government affairs team is like lobbying against a piece of legislation for climate. And so it's just like, you know, two different parts of the same company are like totally working against each other. Uh, and so, yeah, especially like big companies, right? Like people don't actually know what like other people are doing in this quarter. <laughs> and that really can lead to like a lot of hypocrisies, I think, that people don't even realize. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's wild, like the same company, but like not really. <laughs> And that comes down to leadership too, right? Like, mm -hmm. it, I think ultimately it comes down to also leadership, right? It's like, if a company really wants to prioritize and put it on the agenda that they want to address climate change in a meaningful way, that should be all hands on deck. Like, that should be like, this is very clear. This is kind of like the mandate. But then it's like, when you get into the nitty gritty of it all, it's like, oh, but we need to protect our profits here. And we need to protect this thing here. And then it's like, mm -hmm. it gets a lot more nuanced, right? And then it's like, and that's, those are the conversations more companies need to have is like, actually, like, are we going to incur a loss for maybe like taking on this new technology or is that going to benefit the company in the long term? Technically, mm -hmm. you know, us in the climate space know that a lot of these things may feel like a loss in the short term for companies who maybe make certain switches or pay a little bit more, but in the long term, like, you know, if your main concern as a company is profit, you should be caring about the financial risk of not doing something about the actual, you know, shit show that's going to happen by not doing something. And I don't yes. think a lot of companies even grasp that yet. The ones that are smart enough are, but <laughs> yeah. I think otherwise it's like, no, we still need to like lobby against the government because they're going to create all these like regulatory pressures and it's going to slow down our ability to run this business. And sure, I get it. Like there's pressure there, but like, we need people to still step up like and like really just like be like you know what enough is enough and we need more of that so i think it's really mm -hmm. important that you brought that up that like doesn't matter what team you're on there needs to be like some sort of like representative that is creating that accountability and that it's not just mm -hmm. the siloed nice to have thing on the side yeah. like yeah and that's part of the whole concept of every job is a climate job right like eventually it's like you don't even need to put climate in front of it. Like there should just be this, you know, idea that your job is actually making a positive beneficial impact on the planet in some shape or form or your company is and not causing more harm than good, leaving the world the better place than you came to it, right? Very basic principles, but, you know, companies are more like, let me just destroy the earth before I leave it and then hopefully someone else will clean it up if they catch me mm -hmm. doing it. That's more the, yeah. you know, and we need to shift it more to like, no, actually companies can be a part of the solution, but in order to be part of the solution, you actually got to play the game to claim that you're actually part of the solution. Right. So. Exactly. I, there are so many things I could say about that, but <laughs> you're right. I think when it definitely needs to come from both the bottom up and the top down, I think the yeah. bottom up is like, a key driver to this but you're right I think ultimately like there needs to be someone with like a lot of decision making power kind of like putting the mandate out there like you said and yeah. I think of the goal is to you know everything that someone does in like a public company right like ultimately is to make profit yeah I'm hoping one day the goal is to just like you said make the world better which is like the success story right like it like there's so much evidence now, like around 
being a sustainable company like is more profitable in the long term because that's actually what consumers want now and you're like minimizing your climate risk and all of the evidence says like your business will be affected by climate change whether it be like disruptions to supply chain or like your facilities like being underwater or whatever it might be like every company every business every industry will be affected and I don't know what else we have to do to like drive that point home, but we do need to do a lot more work still to like convince the people at, at the top. Cause I think the people from the, the bottom up for the most part are very on board. It's just a matter of like activating that change, right? Totally. I, I think it's, yeah, I think at the end of the day, like there's still so much more pressure that needs to be put on companies to take climate action and that's why like there needs to be more people raising their voices because if we just accept like that companies who say that they care about these things alone are going to like really follow through with it like you all are saying it's like it requires all these shifts from like infrastructure to data to all of to to really like rethinking the long-term plans of a company or Mm -hmm. what work looks like period and so you know, I think there is something to be said of like, it is complex and it is a long-term commitment. And I think sometimes people will say, oh, it's just an easy switch for companies. And I think it is important that like, especially young people continue putting pressure on companies because we know that it actually takes deep, intentional long-term work. It's not just mm-hmm. going to be an instant flip of the switch, just one policy changing, right? And so we need people consistently educating themselves and holding companies accountable to always do better because at the end of the day, like they are profiting off of not doing that. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's really important that you share that. So, you know, I wanted to know with your own role, why do you feel so passionate about this? Like, tell us more about your educational background and what led you into this work to Project Drawdown. Walk us through that. Yeah, I feel like I don't really have like an aha moment that I feel like some people do. Like they have like (laughs) these amazing climate stories and like that's what got me into climate. And I don't really have a moment like that. I have more of like, I think I've just like always, this is me going way back. um, I think I've always generally like been interested in nature and the environment. And yeah, I have like really nice memories with my family camping and like, memories of my grandma like just be being very in tune with her natural surroundings and I always like felt very inspired by that so I've always kind of wanted to work in like the environment field more generally and I like went to school for environmental science and policy I thought I wanted to be like an environmental scientist when I was in college and then I like did field work and lab work and I was like this is not for me (laughs) (laughs) I like spent a summer tracking birds in the woods, which was like very fun, but I didn't want to make a career out of that. (laughs) And then I went to grad school for environmental policy and I worked in the policy world for a little bit. And then I also realized that quite wasn't for me either. Policy moves very slowly, (laughs) as we all know. And yeah, I guess what led me to Drawdown is really... I guess just like thinking about like what what are the big levers when it comes to climate and I think unfortunately and fortunately I guess depending on how you look at it like policy and business are kind of really the the two major drivers right now of like what is causing climate destruction and like how can we use those levers for climate solutions and so 
I tried my hand at, at policy and it wasn't quite for me. And then I saw this role of Project Drawdown and Drawdown Labs working with businesses. And I was like, interesting. I'm very skeptical of businesses. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'll just give a big shout out to my supervisor, Jamie Alexander, the director of Drawdown Labs. I just remember yeah, interviewing. Jamie, we love Jamie. I remember interviewing with her and me being very honest about like, you know, I'm, I'm, I come into this with like a very healthy skepticism. And she was like, perfect. That's what I want. I don't yes. want someone who is like cozying up to corporations. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of how I ended up at Project Drawdown and working with companies. And I've definitely learned a lot working with corporations and I will say we work with big companies like the Googles of the world with also with like much smaller companies who have like three people and mm-hmm. their whole company was founded on like climate solutions as like their mm. business model so we kind of work with a whole range of companies and it's been really interesting and eye-opening and I think in terms of like thinking about my professional experience and my academic experience, and maybe you can relate to this too. Like, I think when I was in college and even in grad school, I felt like science or policy were like the only two like avenues I saw, right. To like work in sustainability or to work in climate. Right. And I think in the past couple of years, like working at Drawdown, especially I've realized that like the climate crisis just requires so much more expertise and it can't just like be only scientists or only policymakers, right? Like there are so many more paths now, which I think is really, really exciting. And we just like need more creativity in this space. And it's um, really exciting to see like the whole climate jobs space expanding the way it has. And onto the topic of climate jobs, great segue. I'm wondering, like, from the companies that you all have worked with or, or talked to or supported, did you see them start opening up more, like, sustainability or climate-oriented roles, like, after, like, you know, working with you all or thinking through these things? I'm just wondering if you had any, like, success stories on actually creating new positions or departments or anything from them going through this process. Yeah, I won't give... I won't give us credit. I'll give like the people actually working in these roles credit, but there were actually two people who come to mind at two of our partner companies who started in like non-sustainability roles. And that's kind of when we like formed our relationships with these people and they were both on like the green groups of their companies. And they were just like so involved and passionate that they just like created sustainability roles for themselves and like now that is their official title in their company which is really awesome (laughs) yeah one one woman she I think she was in maybe in marketing or I can't quite remember what her previous role was but now she's like their first sustainability hire at this company just because she was just like out there doing the work like when no one asked her to do it So I would definitely encourage people, like, if you're in a company and, like, you're trying to transition to a sustainability role, but maybe you really like the place that you work, there's so many instances of people just, like, being really passionate, doing it as an extracurricular, and then it turning into, like, their full-time job and, like, being the first sustainability hire at their company or creating a new role for themselves. And so, yeah, it's been really (laughs) cool. It's like sustainable entrepreneurship internally within your own. 
Totally. That's very fascinating. Wow. You know, jumping back to what you were saying earlier about what you've seen some companies do with like renewable energy and things of that sort. I just want to know what are some of like the main drawdown lab solutions that you think companies could be implementing today, like in the near term, they don't need to, you know, renewable energy may be like a longer term investment and a bigger investment. What are things that they could be doing in the shorter term that could also, you know, save them money since, you know, people care about that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good question. So obviously, yeah, switching to renewable energy. And one thing I'll just plug with the renewable energy thing, the energy, renewable energy solution, excuse me, is really thinking beyond just like credit. So I think there's a lot of discussion around like how offsets don't actually do too much for the climate. There's a similar like type of thinking with renewable energy, right? Like you can buy a credit and, but it's not necessarily like actually powering your facility from renewable energy. You're just like buying the credit from someplace else. So one thing, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. One thing companies can do right now in terms of renewable energy is like thinking about how to like actually get power from the grid that is renewable as opposed to like buying a renewable energy credit. So I definitely encourage companies to think more deeply about that, especially if you're like a tech company with like data centers and you're like, you're using a lot of energy or you have a lot of offices around the world, working with landlords and building owners is another really key piece to that. Like being advocates like for the office space that you're leasing or whatever building you might be leasing if you don't own it. Food waste is like a huge drawdown solution. And I think it's one that people don't realize the scale of. I think something like a third of all food is just like literally thrown in the trash, which is wild to think about. And when you have like a giant office building where you might be providing food to your employees, that's actually like a really scalable solution that could have a pretty big impact on your on your operational emissions but also like benefit the broader world and i'm also happy to talk about some solutions that are a little bit more focused on job functions as well yeah please throw all the solutions i have all the solutions ready for you (laughs) (laughs) i think yeah so Well, first of all, I'll just plug that Drawdown Labs has um, this resource called the Job Function Action Guides. Right now, we have seven of them covering really common corporate professions like human resources and marketing and sales. We're going to do more of those this year to look at other functions. But right now, we have seven. And I'd really encourage people to look at those. They have like really tangible actions of like how you might be able to integrate climate into your role and just to give some examples that I think are really interesting, for instance, like human resources, you might think mm. there's no relation to human resources and climate solutions, but there are. Uh-huh. And one of the big things there, you know, if you work in human resources, you probably have some control or say over like employee benefits. Mm. Can you incentivize your employees to take more public transit or work from home to reduce transit emissions? Yes, yeah, so think about things like travel policies. Can you provide your employees with climate-friendly 401ks? A lot of retirement funds are invested in fossil fuels. Marketing teams, you know, this is a really small change, but, you know, if you're working on on an advertising campaign, instead of using, like, an image of a car, can you use the image of someone on a bike or someone walking? So thinking (laughs) about more, like, climate-friendly imagery. Fascinating. Yeah, just little (laughs) things. But, you know, with marketing, there's also, like, much bigger things you can do. Like, 
if you work with like a creative agency, make sure the agency you're working with has not done work for fossil fuel companies. <laughs> if you work in sales, similar, you can reduce like the number of clients or customers that are fossil fuel companies. Just don't sell your products and don't sell your services to fossil fuel companies. You can talk to your clients about their sustainability goals. You know, if you work in finance, is your company funding climate solutions? Is, can you provide grants or some type of money to support climate organizations, climate justice organizations? There's a lot of things that companies can be doing that go beyond, you know, composting, renewable energy, all of that is super important. It's like very important to like take care of your own house. But there's also these other ways that I think companies might be missing that are a little bit more systemic and a little bit more like cross-functional across their, their organization. And remind us again, where can we find this nifty guide of all the solutions and the job functions and all that good stuff? Yes, you can just go to drawdown.org and you can find all of our resources there. So nice, so nice. Well, thank you for plugging all of that. That's so interesting. I've never really thought about, you know, job functions in a sustainability sense like you just think about the workplace and things like that of course i've thought about the job functions but like not in terms of like corporations so i think that's really interesting that you all are shifting the conversation on that i think that's so cool so from all the work that you do i think what impresses me is that in order to be a bridge builder like you are it means that you have to have some sort of sense of what we like to call design thinking or systems thinking and so I wanted to know if you could speak a little bit more to that on how do you implement design thinking in your day-to-day -day work and why do you think it's an important tool that more people could be cultivating uh, for climate action? Yes, I love this question. Um, and I think especially like thinking about the work I do around integrating climate into people's job, I think the design thinking piece has been so helpful because I think a big part of design is like asking a lot of questions and getting a really good sense of like the structures that um, people exist in, right? And using that feedback from the person who is using your resource, which in my case is, you know, corporate employees for the most part, and using their understanding of like the nuances of the institutions in which they operate using all of that information from them to like make better resources for them, for the user. So I think just like a, an example of that, I mentioned the job function action guides earlier. When I was writing them, I was like, obviously I'm not a human resources professional. I'm not a salesperson. So I need to actually talk to these people who do these things on a day to day and mm -hmm. like always keeping that in mind and doing the research like the desk research and then going to like the people who actually work in these roles was so important to get their feedback and like mm -hmm. get an understanding of like what does their day-to-day -day look like what are their responsibilities just asking them those questions to get a better sense of like how can the resource i'm making like actually be helpful to you so i think you know like human-centered design is really important for climate action and creating resources to, to catalyze climate action. I think another part I'm really interested in kind of like more visual design as well. And I think that is really important for communicating. I think everyone can agree that like 
we all like things that look nice, you know, like who doesn't <laughs> want to look at a nice poster or something. <laughs> I think for, I think all of us can probably think of something we saw recently, like whether like online or like a subway ad or something that like caught your eye, right? You're like, oh, like that's interesting. That looks nice. And so I think right. graphic design has a lot of power. And I think that's actually one awesome strength about Project Drawdown is that we have like very compelling visuals and it draws people in. And I think that's it something I strive. It draws people in. <laughs> yes, I love the pun. Yes. <laughs> No, I mean, your stuff, it looks so good. I mean, it's so visually appealing. Definitely, folks who are listening, you check out Project Drawdown's website and just, like, all of their guides. It just looks so stunning, and it makes it so fun, and it makes it feel less scary to talk about these things that, that are very, mm -hmm. like, high level and very intense. So, yeah, I mean, I love everything that you shared, and I just think that, like, in order to do this work, it, it literally requires so much creativity. Like everything you just shared about earlier about like sustainability HR, like that doesn't exist. Like that's like yet, you know? And it's like, you have to yeah. really like rework and like puzzle things together and kind of be like, here's my little hodgepodge collage of a climate solution that you could be doing that doesn't really currently exist, but this is how we need to rethink things, right? Like the yeah. status quo is literally killing the planet. So we need new you know, reimagination of what these spaces and workplaces can look like. And that's exactly what Project Drawdown is helping to do. It's like, you know, this is what the world could be. Do you want to be a part of it? You know, I think that's so exactly. dope. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's y'all's tagline. We should add that into the, add that into the, the list of, of materials. Anyways. Yes. Um, <laughs> So just to wrap us up here, you know, you, you've given us such good little bits of information, but for people listening, what are your three tips for them to leave with on if they want to get into sustainability, but their job doesn't currently look like that? What are three mm -hmm. tips you have for them on how they could get started? Yeah, I would say... I think, and I'm going to speak more maybe from like the position of someone who is in a current position and maybe are still looking for ways to find ways yeah. to make their current job a climate job. Totally. I think first is like taking stock. I think it's like the boring part, but like understanding like what your company is already doing on climate is really important because if your company has a corporate sustainability goal you can use that to like leverage your position, right? If you're like, hey, we have this goal and my job can actually like help us achieve this goal, you're making a really good business case of why you should be, why you should be taking climate action in your role. So definitely like take stock, understand what your company is already doing or isn't doing and kind of use that to your, your benefit to like kind of make the case for yourself. Second, I would say figure out who has decision-making power. Maybe it's you, but if you are someone who's like in an entry or mid-level role, um, you might need to like talk to your supervisor or someone to make some change about your company or make some change about even your individual role. So definitely figure out who's in like the position of power to help you make the change that you want and make sure that that is someone who's already on board, like with sustainability and climate action, definitely encourage people to power map, which I'm happy to talk more about power mapping. I love power mapping, <laughs> but yeah, just like do just figure out who in your company you need to talk to. Right. And then the last thing I would say is like find your people, 
if there isn't a green group already at your company, start one. Those are the places where I have seen like the most innovation and passion and creativity and just people coming together that are just like, we need to do something about climate now and let's work together on it. And definitely would encourage you to like bring those people together and think about kind of like joint actions you can do, right? Like maybe you can all raise your hand at like an all staff meeting and like ask what your company is doing on climate change. Or maybe you can write a letter to your CEO and like get a bunch of, bunch of people to sign it. And I think those are the types of actions that are a little bit scarier for people to take on. But when you're doing it in a big group of people, it's not as scary and it's a lot more powerful. So yeah, I would say take stock, identify who's decision-making power and then find your people. Cool, cool, cool. When it comes to thinking about getting people into climate roles and being able to shift just internal culture of your company, especially like whether it be sustainability or in the facts of this show when it comes to racism <laughs> and addressing microaggressions, can you tell us about power mapping and how that can be used as a tool for internal advocacy within an organization? Yeah, so power mapping is like a very super simple exercise. You just have like a Y axis and an X axis. And on one of them, you plot um, like who agrees with the ask and who doesn't agree. So like doesn't agree to agree. And then on the other axis, you're mapping like level of decision-making power. So you know, some examples might be like, oh, like Stacy has a lot of decision-making power in this company, but she doesn't really care about sustainability. Or maybe Jim really cares about climate change, but he doesn't really have that much like decision-making power in the company. So you wanna find the person who is already on board with sustainability and climate action, who also has a bit of decision-making power and can help you move the needle on whatever the ask is or whatever change you're trying to make inside your company. And one thing I'll point out that sometimes it's not like, actually more often than not, it's not like the CEO or like someone in the C-suite. It's someone who might be a level down, who has access to leadership. And so I would definitely encourage people to find that person and just talk to them, like see how they feel about you trying to make a change within your company. But I think the big step is just identifying that person or identifying multiple people for you to tap. Because I think a big piece, especially if you're in like an entry level or mid-level employee, I think a really big piece to creating change is like having your advocate who sits a little bit above you, who can like be your champion when they're talking to like the C-suite. So you definitely need someone who can kind of like right. advocate for you, right? And hold it down for you kind of like with the with leadership. Yeah, I think in general, like doing power mapping from my experience is just this idea that you're kind of laying out the land of understanding the power dynamics within the organization or the company that you're within and figuring out what levers and relationships are to your advantage or maybe to your disadvantage when it comes to trying to shift things both from, you know, an internal cultural standpoint or these bigger advocacy pieces. So it's really mm -hmm. important for people to, you know, take stock of that early on when even if they are entry level to understand that like they're also still benefiting from you being there. And so just because you're at the quote unquote 
bottom of the hierarchy doesn't you know doesn't mean that you can't have your voice heard it's just a matter of understanding how to do that advocacy in a strategic way based on you know the limitations of the institution you're within so yeah i think that that's all very useful and and great and so just to wrap us up tell us more on how people can stay in touch i know you've plugged project drawdown a lot of times but how can people stay in touch with you and check out y'all on social media stuff like that Yes. So Project Drawdown, so drawdown.org. We are on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram. And all three of those were just at Project Drawdown. I sometimes use Twitter. I'm at Ayana B. If you're curious, <laughs> follow me on Twitter where I post like embarrassing photos of my mom. <laughs> love it. Yes. And I would love to stay in touch. If you go on, the, on drawdown.org and look at our staff page, my email is there. I'm like always happy to scheme with people and listen to their climate stories and try to figure out how they can integrate climate into their roles. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Ayana. It's always a pleasure to meet, you know, other women of color trying to kick butt and, and shift the culture within the climate space and to bring more people on board. I, I really appreciate your time today and thank you so much for joining us. And for everyone who has listened to this episode today, make sure that you subscribe to the Brown Girl Green podcast wherever you get your shows as well as the Brown Girl Green YouTube channel and follow the new Brown Girl Green podcast Instagram at Brown Girl Green podcast. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thanks everyone. Thanks Ayana.